What's up, all you hungry people? Welcome to the very first episode of the Hungry for Success podcast. I'm your host, Michael Phelps. On this episode of the show, I sat down and talked to Denise, who's made an extreme physical and mental transformation in spite of some serious hurdles. She's extremely motivating and very inspiring. Uh, all you have to do is check out her Instagram, and you'll see just how hard she works and uh, how she um, uplifts pretty much everybody she comes across on social media. Uh, so I will drop the link to that in the show notes. Be sure to go check her out. Uh, while you're doing that, also head over to our Instagram, Hungry for Success Podcast, and uh, give us a follow. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Uh, that would be extremely helpful. So uh, I hope you like it. Here it is. Denise, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Uh, so I just want to start the show by saying thank you for being my first guest. I know that it has to be weird uh, getting on a podcast with someone who has zero episodes. You don't know what to expect. This is actually the second time that's happened to me. I'm a good first guest. <laughs> I'm a good yeah. trial. <laughs> so I listened to the first podcast you were on and I was like, okay, this has got to be my first guest because uh, she can talk well. And uh, if I make any, um, if I have some downtime, she, she'll help me out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So uh, kind of, first of all, how are you doing during this um, COVID-19 stuff? How are you holding up? Um, pretty well. Uh, it's very different. It's a whole adjustment and a new way of living. And I'm fortunately able to work from home. So that has helped make things be a smooth transition. But you definitely get stir crazy. Like I like going out and doing things and to be a little bit handcuffed is hard. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so it's kind of weird. I, I can't a hundred percent relate because, so I work in construction and I am, I'm still going to work every day. I haven't, haven't missed a day. So I can't relate to that like stir crazy, but I can just imagine if I was stuck in, you know, in my house all the time, I would be going nuts. Um, but so a lot of people are talking about the quarantine 15, right? So are you, are you able yes. to like maintain kind of like your, your, your fitness journey during this? Well, that was the thing for the first month, you kind of feel down and like stuck. And, and one of the things you turn to, and I've always turned to in my life was food for comfort. And after about a month of that, I'm like, Oh, my jeans are getting a bit tight. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? I didn't go through all of this to regain because life is going to happen. So I had to get my crap together and, uh, and pull myself together. And for the last month and almost two months, I've been killing it, <laughs> doing That's home awesome. workouts. And yeah, because you know what, this is forever. There's going to be bumps in the road and you just got to do what's best for you. So. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Like you point out that it's forever. I, I think that's one thing that when people jump into this weight loss journey that they don't get is that it is a literally like a battle for life. It, it never ends, you know, during my weight loss, like now, sometimes I, I go through seasons, like I'm really motivated and I'm not. And it takes that self-discipline to make it a lifestyle. And I think that's where some people kind of go astray. Right. And I found too, like even after losing weight, you have to treat obesity as a chronic disease. It's something you're going to live with your whole life. You're never going to be cured. You just have to learn to manage it. And that is the key. And a lot of people think, oh, I'll just lose the weight and everything will be fine. It's not. You have to fight every single day. And that's a big misconception. 
Yeah, I, that's an awesome thing that you just said is it's a chronic disease that you have to manage forever. I've never really thought about it in those exact terms, but that's 100% true. Yeah. Um, so can you give me, I guess, just give us a little bit of background about yourself and kind of your fitness journey to this point? Sure. Um, I, my whole life, have been obese. Um, from childhood, I was always a heavy kid. Uh, I grew up on a, on a farm, a dairy farm, northern Ontario. I'm Canadian, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, there was always an abundance of food, and I always ate for comfort and, and things like that. And that stayed with me my whole life, genetics too. Um, I had some hormonal uh, issues too growing up in, in adolescence and adulthood that made me gain weight plus loving food. <laughs> I was always a foodie plus a sedentary job. So throughout my life, it just kept going up and up and up. And it came to a point where um, my liver was failing. Uh, I had acid reflux so bad it was scarring my esophagus. I was borderline type 2 diabetes. Um, sorry. It's okay. Borderline type 2 diabetes. And I actually had cancer oh, at one wow. point. Um, I had thyroid cancer. So I'd lost my thyroid. That was back in 2008. So it's been 11 years cancer-free. Awesome. <laughs> and Congratulations. So many health issues with it. And I just felt like I was spiraling downward. And my doctor said to me, look, Denise, like you could have five to 10 good years and then you're going to have some real issues that your mobility, your life like could end. So he's like, think long and hard. And he suggested the weight loss surgery. And I didn't want to do it at the start, but the way I was going and the way I felt and how I was living, I was not myself and I wasn't happy and I was headed for a really bad path. So it's kind of a no brainer at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a little bit of a similar story. Is that, I mean, not as, um, I guess extreme, but so what kind of started my fitness journey was I went to the doctor um, just because I thought I had sleep apnea. And when I went, they were like, you definitely have sleep apnea. I'll never forget this doctor. Uh, she was like, I'll never forget that you had sleep apnea, but you're also 340 some pounds at 25 years old. Your blood pressure's high, your sugar's like through the roof. Um, so like pre-diabetic. And she was like, if you don't do something soon, like don't expect a long life you know yeah. and so that like super resonated with me and I was like this is my time like I got to change because like you said like I was literally overweight my entire life and so like I had just like everyone I had tried a hundred times and I had failed all hundred but it was that like one that 101 time that I tried right. that I've been successful to this point um so I guess that brings me to the question is like is was that that doctor's appointment or some or something along those lines was that like the catalyst to your weight loss is that what's like okay I got to do something when he said that to me I'm like okay like I was all in tears and I couldn't believe because I felt like weight loss surgery was kind of hitting rock bottom and I grew up with um, a family who really looked down toward that kind of thing thinking it was the easy way out and you're just kind of giving up and it was doing it for you and that you would just gain it back anyway. And I kind of had those ideas too. And my best friend even went through it four years ago and I saw how it changed her life too, but it was still scary for me to change this whole thinking my whole life to understanding and accepting the surgery 
but I finally did because I felt like I was out of choices and uh, I was glad that I did. <laughs> yeah, that's glad I listened. It, I mean, it's amazing, like what you've been able to do, to do your transformation. But so from I'm very inexperienced with weight loss surgery, I don't know a lot about it. But it does seem kind of like what you just said, there's like somewhat of a stigma to weight loss surgery. And so like, I guess, how did you um, overcome that? And like, why do you think there is that stigma? Um, I think the stigma is a lot to do with less about you and more about the other people because i found when i announced that i was having the surgery and i kind of kept it quiet for a bit because of that stigma um people realize that it's going to change your relationship with them and um and they do think it's easy because they're not educated they think that oh they just do surgery your stomach's small you don't eat done it's not that simple at all because the surgery will change your stomach it will not change your brain and your brain is what gets you there to the problem to begin with. That's that compulsion to eat and want to self-soothe with food. And none of that goes away. Um, and you try to fight it even after surgery, even when your stomach's smaller. You still want to, like during the COVID thing, I was reaching for things that I used to reach for before. And it's very, it's a hard battle. And it's hard to understand. And people don't understand it. And they also don't like how it will affect them personally. It becomes less about you and more about them. And I found that was the case a lot. Yeah. So if you're not eating out of hunger to like gain the weight, then you, when, if your stomach's smaller, you're not eating out of hunger then either, you know, you're eating out of, um, like you said, like eating for comfort. Uh, and I, so I think like the stigma from my limited experience comes from people thinking that it's the easy way out, but just from my limited experience, I know like multiple people who have had the surgery and been unsuccessful in the long term, right? Because they're not making that mental shift like you're talking yeah. about. And also like with surgery, the losing weight part is the easy part. It's that maintenance. And like you said, the mental shift, the mental game, the head game is the absolute hardest part. Yeah, I completely understand. I mean, so, and that's with surgery or not surgery, right? I mean, it's the, it's the same. Um, so uh, you mentioned maintenance there. Like, so how difficult has like maintenance been? Um, they say after surgery, there's this honeymoon phase of about a year to 18 months where you just lose, you do your thing and you're just constantly losing. Um, after about a year, and for me, it was at nine months because I lost really quickly and then stopped. It becomes, oh, <laughs> like it's this surprise because you, you look at the scale every day and it's like, okay, it's not going down and you start to panic. But that's just your body resetting it to this new set point and it's mm -hmm. kind of done. And, and I was 25 pounds shy of where I wanted to be. Um, I still am. <laughs> but uh, I still like you could so easily go back to where you were. So for me, maintenance was all about the exercise and all about how I continued to feed myself, even though you get hungrier again. Like the first nine months for me, I wasn't really hungry. And then all of a sudden, oh, that comes back and you get those compulsions again. Before I didn't really think about food and then all of a sudden that changes, but you still have to maintain what you've done. 
Yeah. It's like, so I'm even kind of the same way now. Like I'm in a little cut right now, but whenever I am trying to maintain, it's like, it's so hard for me to consider the scale, not moving a win. You know, even though that's my goal, it's you've trained yourself for two years, three years, however long to be like, the numbers got to go down and it gets you excited. You get that kind of like rush and that high. And then whenever your goal is to like make it not move, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of anticlimactic. But so I heard you, you just mentioned kind of like uh, the nutrition and exercise. What did your nutrition look like uh, through this process? Um, I started eating keto-ish. I say ish okay. because I couldn't go full more keto. Um, our clinic, the clinic that I went to, they wanted us to eat a lot more carbs than I was. Um, but I knew for me that that was a trigger food. So I wanted to keep them low. I kept mine under 50 grams per day, um, 50, sometimes 60. Uh, so it was high protein taking multivitamins because once you have surgery, you don't absorb everything from food anymore. So okay. you need to be on vitamins for life. Um, so protein, vitamins, certain amount of carbs, but getting your vegetables and fiber in is really important too, because you want all the plumbing to work properly. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so are you still doing keto? Um, I try to be keto-ish, but keto -ish. I actually developed um a complication post-surgery that made me need more carbs because i developed reactive hypoglycemia and that is a potential side effect of i had a ruin y gastric bypass i know okay. in the u.s a lot of people have a gastric sleeve which okay. is they just take you know 80 percent of the stomach away where a bypass they make your stomach smaller but they cut your intestine and they you keep your entire stomach but they section it off and they cut your intestine and they reroute it. Um, okay. So there's more plumbing changes. <laughs> so that one is more, um, you have more malabsorption um, and you have higher risk of complication because they're doing more inside there. But also it has it's been around longer and it's been, like science has shown that it has a longer success rate. So that's the one that I got here in Canada. Um, our healthcare is government funded mm -hmm. and they really push that ruin my gastric bypass. My theory on that is because um, of that long-term result, because our government's responsible for us our whole life. Um, so if they can prevent long-term healthcare complications, that would cost them less money. It's a better return on their investment to spend yeah, a little bit more for a more expensive surgery, knowing that it may last. They want to get I mean, that bang for their buck. They do, right. So they push the R&Y here a lot. Um, sleeves happen. My best friend had a sleeve and she asked for it. She got it. Um, they approved it. And uh, she's been successful too. Like she struggles a lot as well. Um, but she's all, so it's, it's really how you work your program too. But certain ones could give you a tiny bit of an edge. But again, it's very, it's very individual. Yeah, so why do you, why did she choose a sleeve over like what you did? I mean, I know that you're kind of speaking for her, but like what, yeah. what was like the advantage of that? Well, for her, it was the less complications thing. And she was doing a lot of like online research and, and there was a lot of like a lot of material comes from the U S where they push the sleeve a lot. And okay. she also had a friend who had the sleeve. So when I went into the process, I totally wanted the sleeve because of their experiences 
But then I met with another support group pre-op and they're like, you know what, you should really consider the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass. I'm like, oh really? And then as I educated myself and listened to other podcasts, I'm like, you know what, I think this is probably better for me. So that's, and I had a lot of reflux too. And I know with the sleeve, you have a lot more um, chance of having that problem continue or get worse. So for me, um, the, the bypass was the better option. Okay. So since you developed the like hypoglycemia, what, um, how has that changed your, your diet or nutrition? Right. I totally got off topic. No, it's okay. Um, it's perfect. It has because, um, I have what the reactive hypoglycemia does when you have carbs or sugar, it'll spike your sugar and then drop it dangerously low. And mine was getting really low that I was at a high risk for, um, seizures or a coma. So it's almost like a diabetic reaction when you get too much insulin. Your pancreas kick in and overproduce insulin and it just gets too much. So when I was depriving myself of carbs and sugar and then all of a sudden I'd have a bit of them, it would go haywire. So now my clinic wants me to constantly give a feed of carbohydrates, but complex carbs, um, spaced out during the day. So it's not a shock to my system and I'm not getting sugar dips after exercise. Cause you know, sometimes if you don't eat enough, it'll just keep dropping and dropping your sugar as well. Okay. So that was part of my, um, kind of how we were going to do my program through my clinic and just my nutrition that way. So I couldn't go to full keto anymore, even if I wanted to, or intermittent fasting, which oh. I wanted to try. So it's like, ah, oh. But again, you have to roll with the punches. It's not what I wanted to do, but now this is my new reality and you adapt. Yeah, it might not be what you wanted to do, but you've been successful, you know, using this tool of the weight loss surgery. Um, So what does, if you had to describe like you're eating now, like, so are you like tracking or um, do you do a certain like, I know you like you're feeding those carbs, but do you do like a certain style of diet? Um. I still try to adhere to lower carb, but I'm not going to sweat if I have to put a bit of flour in a sauce for my okay. cake pasta that I eat, like things like that. Um, I have tracked in the past. Have I lately? No, and I should. Um, but I found that tracking always was helpful because, you know, and that's when I was actively losing weight too, because you know exactly how many calories you have, you know what your protein is like, and there's so many great apps that can help you with that. And because people always underestimate what they eat and overestimate what they do. And that way you're not lying to yourself. So I yeah. cannot, and I need to listen to my own advice. <laughs> That's hundred percent true. People always underestimate what they eat and overestimate what they do. Always. Uh, that's a, that is a great takeaway from this. Uh, so yeah, I, I actually, in my experience, I, I started with like the 21 day fix. I don't know if you know what that is, where you get I've all this, like, you get to like different size mil- like containers and you're like, you get like three of the blue one, which is for meat, And then you get like two of the red one, which is for carbs or whatever, like based on your weight. And like that really taught me like, uh, portion control and then I moved to kind of I moved to counting calories and then I went to keto and then I did some intermittent fasting I've kind of done like the whole thing and I'm at a point now where well actually right now I have like a bodybuilding coach and I'm doing a whole meal plan and everything but like really I, I would like to get to the point where I can just eat intuitively um, but I really struggle with that and 
I think in my opinion, the reason why is because I think that you said that carbs are kind of like a trigger food for you. Yeah. They're definitely a trigger food for me. Like if you put a whole bag of like a large family size bag of potato chips in my house, like I, I don't stop till they're gone. I'm taking yeah. the whole bag down. <laughs> so that's why, so like right. a keto had, or low carb, like really worked well for me because of that. Like I, people say like, Oh, you've lost so much weight. You must have so much self-control. It's like, no, I just know to like not have that in the house at all. Not even give myself yeah. a chance. Um, it's all about that. Yeah. So I, I think it's really important. Kind of like you said, it like, it's going to evolve over time. Like if you're going to make it like a lifestyle change, like what works for you now to lose 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 pounds might not work for you in maintenance. Like things have to continuously evolve. Right. Yeah. Um, so moving on from that point, it's like, what has been the biggest, what has helped you the most during this journey? Um, I'd have to say it's peer support, whether that's from my best friend who went through the journey four years ago, she's been a remarkable resource um, for information and just experience and just to bounce things off of, but also the Instagram community for me and my online community, even even, um, my clinic has a Facebook group. And uh, they've been really helpful, especially right out of the gate where you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing or eating or anything like that. Um, So like social media and online peers have helped so much because I don't know a whole lot of people in my life that have had the surgery. There's just a handful, but online and you get into one of these communities and everybody's going through the same thing and everybody's got the same goal. And it's funny because... um, my needs on there kind of changed. Like first it was about a weight loss story. Well, now my story's changed and evolved. Now it's about a healthy living story and it's less about weight loss. I mean, I'd like to still lose more weight, but I know I'm kind of stuck at this plateau unless I dramatically change some things. But I just want to be healthy and I want to be strong and I want to live a long time. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, keeping up with everybody on there has been so motivational. Like we do gym check-ins and um, I joined a running group on there and like things in my life that I would never have done before. But you feel lifted and empowered by these people on here who are virtually strangers. And many of them I've now met in real life and they're friends. But these people fuel my fire and they keep me going. It's, it's incredible. And I never expected that. I didn't even plan on having an Instagram account because I'm like, oh, you know, I don't have time. But it's, it's been a big part of my life and a huge part of my journey. That's amazing. That's actually one thing I really wanted to talk to you a lot about was this community aspect. Like that's one thing I reason I was drawn to follow you on Instagram is like how like active you are on there. And like, I can see the, I think it's like, uh, see a selfie, send a selfie or something like yeah. that, it, like that. And then like your, yeah. uh, your wall, like handstand, uh, handstands yes. and stuff. Like, I think that stuff's so cool. Um, but so not only does it seem like you've built a community there, but it seems like the weight loss surgery itself is like a community. So like looking on Instagram, Absolutely. you see like all kinds of people with like uh, RNY in their name or like sleeve somebody or like, so at first it took me a while until I started seeing everybody with that to realize that's what that was. Um, yeah. So it seems like there's a strong um, community around weight loss surgery in general. Absolutely. And I think the reason for that, especially with the surgery, um, because a lot of people don't have people in their lives who understand this. 
and we're all going through the same thing and going through the same steps and and we really lean on each other because sometimes and for some people we're the only support that they have or they're the only support I have some days like it feels like that because you kind of in your real life you can tend to be a little bit alienated because people aren't educated and they don't understand but here's a whole like group of people who are living the same thing you are and i think that's why people bond so well so that is also kind of why i've started this podcast and like the instagram account is because you know as a whole when you've lost 120 pounds or whatever like you're on a different journey than number than normal people who might try to lose five or 10 pounds. Like the people who are like successful and they're going down this journey, you're, it's hard for people to relate with you sometimes. And so I think having something like this and just continuing to try to build on that community is great. And that's really like why I'm starting this. Um, just like, you know, you and I have like, can have conversations about how hard this stuff is and like the things we've done and been successful about that. Like other people just can't even relate to. Yeah. And so like, I just think, the whole community aspect of it is awesome. Uh, I think uh, if I remember right, like I heard you talking about like scheduling some meetups with, you know, like the weight loss groups. Yep, absolutely. I'm, I was actually, well, M one of the coordinators for the Toronto meetup and we had one in November and what a meetup is just a whole bunch of people get together and have a good time basically, but meet and it's just support. Like all these people you meet online, meet them face to face and, so we had an event in November and it was incredibly successful. So we planned another one for next month, but COVID kind of put a damper on that. So we're going to have to reschedule that. And we're in the works of figuring out details and getting refunds. Cause it was a boat cruise too, of like all things. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you do not be stuck on a boat right now. <laughs> when we planned that, it was like this awesome idea. And it was going to be so fun. And it's like the worst possible thing to pick. <laughs> so that's probably going to be rescheduled next year when things are safer. And, and uh, yeah, but doing that, even that alone, like it just lets you experience the community and having people work together. Like it's been amazing. I met some people at a Chicago meetup. Um, I went to North Carolina in February for the people that I met that we kind of formed a running group and we ran a race together. Oh, and, wow. uh, I flew to North Carolina and it was only the second time ever in my life being on a plane going to Chicago and third time going to North Carolina. It's like, you know, I'm stretching. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not scared anymore. Like I want to do these things. Yeah. That actually leads perfectly into my next question was like, so you talked about, you didn't even know if you would have a social media or Instagram account. So it's like this transformation, like really boosted your confidence or like changed the person that you are. Um, I always considered myself an introverted extrovert. Like I feel like I'm actually me now. Um, before I was very apologetic for myself because I was heavy, I just felt like I was always being judged and I was ashamed of myself. And when you shed that, and it takes a while for your head to catch up with how your body's changing too. Like I still feel really large um, at times and uh, it's this big mental shift too. But with that comes confidence too, as you get used to it and you adjust and you adapt. And then what's been incredible for me for that is all the people who look up look up to me now which I could never imagine that before but like daily I get stuff you're awesome you're killing it and 
and I feel like, you know, I'm just getting by and do I really know what I'm doing? I don't know. <laughs> but so many people feel inspired by you. And that's really, really like a huge confidence boost. And I'm less afraid to talk to people now, even in my job. Like I'm a packaging designer. I design a lot of big brands that you see in a grocery store and stuff okay. like I've worked on it. And, uh, to present my ideas at work, I'm better at it now because of my Instagram account where before I'd say the bare minimum about this awesome concept I came up with. Now I can talk about it and I'm confident about it. And like, it just changes everything. And it started with Instagram, forcing myself to do some Instagram stories and posts. So it's been kind of cool. So question for you. I know that you've got this DM before and it says something along the lines of like, because of you, I went to the gym today or because of you, like I made this change. Like, I know you've gotten something along those lines. Like how did that first one feel? The first one happened actually on, um, my, one of my Facebook group pages. And I'm like, what really? Like, cause I posted the before and after picture or something. It's like, wow. Like you're always used to being that person that are looking up to the veterans, um, that have been through it before. I'd lost a lot of weight, whether it's for surgery or not. And all of a sudden, when you start to get the results and post it, people who are just out of the gate too are noticing you. And it's like, it was really surreal, but it felt really cool. And it made you wanna do more things to make you inspire. But that's been the greatest reward out of all of it. It's like the friendships that I've built and feeling like you make a difference in people's lives. And it's why I do my crazy story. <laughs> I spent a lot of time and I'm always trying to be funny because I find that um, I don't take myself too seriously online. It's more reflective of my personality. I'm a bit of a goof. Some people, like the thing with Instagram or any social media, people show you what they want you to see. And um, sometimes it's not always the real story and it can be discouraging for people. So I'll put when I screw stuff up or I'll put things that are funny just because, you know what, it's not a competition and just be you. We're all going through stuff different ways, but just be yourself and express yourself and have fun. Yeah. So like the, I know the first message that I got, like it, you know, I posted like a workout video and someone was like, Hey man, I hit the gym today because of this. Like it was super inspiring. And that just like, it kind of like puts you on another level of motivated. It's like, because if, if I can motivate one person to make the change that I made and like knowing how much it's changed my life, it's like, that's like a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we get off the subject of like confidence is whenever you were heavier or bigger, like, did you think that people looked at you and thought you were lazy? Oh, absolutely. And they did. <laughs> They've went as far as telling me that. And I was never a lazy person. Like I grew up on a farm. I had to work hard. Um, my mom passed away when I was quite young and I had to do everything at home too. I was never a lazy person, but crappy metabolism and I like to eat. So, you know, but people would make that judgment and it wasn't always fair, but they did. Yeah. So I looked back at a picture the other day of myself and I, saw, I used to beat myself up so bad about that person, you know, like, how did I let myself get this big? How did I do that? But now I look back at it and I'm like, I'm, I'm proud of that person because mm -hmm. it's the same for me. Like I was, I was never lazy. Like when I got to my biggest, 
Yes, I was sitting down every day in, well, a lot of days and eating like a large pizza. But during that time, I was also, you know, uh, getting a master's degree that I'd got like a 3.8, almost a 4.0. I was doing an internship. You know, I was six hours away from my family so I could be there to work and get a better job. Like, you know, I was doing all this stuff. I wasn't lazy, but I wasn't, my priority was not myself. And like, it took me a long time to realize, like, if I don't make myself a priority, then, you know, I won't be here for my wife. I won't be here for my children and all this kind of stuff, um, which I don't have any kids yet. But when I do, um, you know, I want to live a long life, like you said earlier. And if I don't make myself, this is kind of, it's still hard for me to say, but like the first priority, you know, I have to be the first priority because if not, then I can't be there for anyone else. Um, And that, that took like a long time to realize like that person that I look at in those pictures who was that overweight is the person who made the change. You know, they're the person that said enough is enough and like went down this journey. So, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people who are in this situation, they make that same realization. There's a lot of guilt around that too, because you have to be a little bit selfish and people don't like that, especially if you're the type of person who was not like that before. And I found that's a lot of the case with me, but like you said, like, you have to be proud of that person who is brave enough to take those steps and you have to honor that decision and you have to make, like you said, a priority. Otherwise it's not gonna, it's not gonna stick. Exactly. So we talked about your community being like your number one uh, thing, like helping you during this journey. What's been the hardest part? The hardest part about the journey, um, you'd lose some people along the way. Um, and the mental game is always the hardest, um, because you still see yourself as the way you were before. So sometimes until that confidence kicks in, um, you're pulled back a little bit by your own head. So, and things change too, when you lose weight fast, like hormones change and you get emotional and complications happen. Like the whole mental game is hard and just changing what you had as the norm before. And two, like the other part of that was how you lose people along the way because people don't understand that decision and they're not part of that decision. And food used to be a big part of my life and relationships. And when it's not anymore, they don't like that. Because when you change, you force the people around you to change too. And, and they kind of resist that. So those like hand in hand have been the hardest parts. So how have you kind of dealt with those things? Um, the mental game you deal with every day, cause it's hard every day. Like we talked about, um, the people part, sometimes you got to let people go. And sometimes you just got to be true to yourself and hope they'll come around. And some have come around and some people have understood, but it takes them seeing it. And you, like, I've been on this journey now for a year and a half and it's sticking and they see that I'm serious about it and how I'm changing stuff. And it wasn't the easy fix. And I'm working hard to keep what I've done. Things like that. Like you kind of have to prove yourself and it's unfortunate that you have to, you would hope that friends and family would just stick by you no matter what, but sometimes you have to. And, uh, and you just got to prove it to yourself too. (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree. And so I know one thing for me was with the mental game, like that was one of the hardest things for me was kind of 
changing my self-talk, right? So like I, my, my wife kind of gives me a hard time, but like, I'm like my number one biggest fan. Like I, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, like you try to make it like not on the verge of cocky, but I'm like, you know, like anytime I lose weight, I'm like hyped for myself. Um, where before, you know, like it was more the other way of kind of beating myself up of like, you know, like you're too lazy to get off the couch today, blah, 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 blah. And that like makes a big difference. Yeah. You're not, you're no longer setting yourself up for failure by the negative self-talk. Like people are like saying to me now, and this is one of the craziest changes too. You're so badass. You're I'm like, oh my God. Like I was a wallflower before. And I was afraid to talk to people. And now people think I'm this fierce badass. And and because this is now the person I am, who I kind of always was, but hidden for a while. But it, it feels good. <laughs> it does feel good. It does. So kind of going the opposite way from that you're talking about the people saying like you're badass you're badass what about has there been anything about social media that kind of hurt your journey or hurt your confidence any of that kind of stuff um I've heard like more from other people how there's some like really negative trolls I think I avoid that a lot just because I don't take myself too seriously and I'm always kind of joking so I don't get a lot of people throwing daggers as much at me but there's you find on social media people like to use other people for whatever reason so your dms fill up with like things you don't want to see and because if you're a little bit cuter attractive and you're a female you get some predators um that kind of thing um i kind of distance myself from a lot of drama on there but there's definitely negatives for sure and uh sometimes too there's this thing where, and I was touching on it before, um, you want to compare yourself to everybody too. And that's something that's hard. And that's why I try to show my ups and my downs because I know I felt that way out of the gate too, that all these people are doing this perfectly. Why am I not doing this right away? Like all these things take work. Everybody's body's different. Do not compare. Um, That's always been something a piece of advice I always give to everybody because we're all different. Yeah. I say that same thing, but I need to take my own advice sometimes because like that's how social media has been negative in my journey is the comparing because I always think like, man, look how much weight that guy's lifting. Like I'm trying so hard. Like, why can't I do that? Look how, like how, you know, good that person looks like, why can't I look like that? And that has lessened over the years. So like I've been on this journey, like I started, uh, like right at five years ago. Um, and it, so it took me about a year and a half to lose and then three years to maintain or I've maintained for three years. And so it's like during this maintaining time, it almost got worse a little bit. Cause it's like, I'm kind of where I want to be, but I don't look like that guy or I don't, you know, I'm not as strong yep. as that guy. And so it's still something that I have to work on. And the Instagram is the worst for it, but I, I do find Go ahead. Sorry. I've, I've been really surprised how rampant that runs through the males. Like I expect it with girls to be catty and stuff, but hearing from like some of my closer guy friends, like, I'm like, wow, you guys really go through a lot of, of comparison and like shit talking each other and stuff. And, you know, I was, I was kind of surprised at that. Yeah, guys, I mean, 
girls are this way too, but I know personally, like guys are ruthless. Some of the things that, uh, you know, I say to my friends and they say to me, man, it, it'll get, it'll play head games with you for sure. So I did have one question. What is the weirdest DM you've ever gotten? Oh my God. I don't know. Some of them I can't say. <laughs> um, usually involving body parts that I do not want to see. Oh no. But, um, oh yeah. Like girls get that all the time. Um, I got one about a month ago. Some guy wanted to be my sugar daddy. <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean, that might not be the worst thing in the world. Like, <laughs> Well, whether they're legit or not, I don't know. But yeah. Uh, you there's, just say, there's uh, some crazy DMs. send me a money order and I'll cash it. <laughs> yeah. I want to try it out first. What can you buy me first? And then I'll let you know, do some spec work on sugar daddy. <laughs> so what is, what's your goal moving forward with this? Um, I just want to be stronger. Like I've, I've kind of, I mean, I still want to lose weight, but that's no longer my main objective. I just want to be strong and I want to have endurance. Like I started running about a year ago, um, joined this running group, amazing, amazing people. I want to be faster. I want to be stronger. Like I was challenged in these push-up challenges like two months ago, couldn't do a push-up ever. And now I do them every day. Like I just want to continue to evolve and like, I don't have a set goal, but I don't want to ever stop learning, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, like, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think that's a great goal to have is to like just be stronger and healthier overall. I mean, I think we are the same in like having like metabolism issues in, you know, like every pound of muscle that you're putting on is just helping that keep it keep that metabolism um, stoked up, you know, helping you gain more calories that you can eat per day, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's amazing, like an awesome goal. And that's, that's a big piece in my opinion too, like the long-term success is, so I knew one thing I'm super thankful for is I knew when I started this out, like I did not want to be a cardio person. Like I wanted to, I wanted to lift as much weight as possible and or well, maybe that's the wrong term, do as much resistance training as possible and just build the muscle so I could build like a long-term machine to, to burn mm -hmm. calories and, and allow me to not have to be one of those people that ends up eating a thousand calories a day and they're stuck. You know, right. that happens to a lot of people who try to, who try to lose the weight. So one, another question I had for you was, so you've talked about like recently getting into running and the pushups and stuff, like, has exercise been a part of your entire journey or is that something that's new? Well, that's an interesting, an interesting thing. And I wanted to bring it up. Someone before surgery gave me, they said, if I can give you one piece of advice, it's this, um, start exercise straight out of the gate. Don't wait till you're done losing weight from the surgery and then start to exercise because they said exercise will help you not lose weight, but for the maintenance. And that's the hardest part. And they said, trying to do that at the end, you're not going to learn it. But as you do it as you go, and you're changing your whole lifestyle from the start, in every realm, that's the best way to go. And I took that advice as soon as I could, like um, eight weeks out of surgery is when we're allowed to exercise. I joined the gym. I joined it on my birthday. That was my gift to myself. And I'm like, I'm doing this. That's it. Commitment. And I've stuck to it. And that's what's carrying me through because I already feel like I could go back um, to bad habits and stuff, but this exercise, it drives me to keep 
doing things for myself. Like it's been the most selfish thing because it takes up so much of my time. Um, but it's been the most rewarding thing because not just for the results and the strength, but because I'm doing things I could never do in my life. Like I ran my first um, 5K the week of my surgery. So they call your one year from your surgery. I made sure it was on that week because I wanted to do this thing. Like in my whole life, I'd never been able to run more than 30 seconds. And I did 40 minutes nonstop. Like that to me is the biggest reward and gift to myself is the ability to do things you couldn't do before. Yeah, that that's amazing that you were able to do that. And I, so my wife is actually super into running and it's like the thing that I hate. So I really challenged myself last year. Actually, it was on a bet, but I challenged myself to get outside my comfort zone. And so I ran my first half marathon uh, last year, which was awful. I I wouldn't suggest it to anyone, Um, but I I did it. And, you know, that's like a box check. It's just another thing that I've pushed myself to do. Um, but, and then outside of weights, like I found, I started doing Brazilian jujitsu to like two years ago, um, which is also like, I found like a passion in that. And that has like really helped my journey, but being 340 pounds, I would have never done that. Like I would have never taken that step, uh, to move forward with that. So it's awesome to hear like running is something new that you've developed out of this. Like, is there anything else that... Yeah, I was actually, I was the opposite of you. I was always about cardio. And uh, the last month with the whole COVID and working out at home and it was cold here still and I couldn't run as much as I wanted to. Um, I wanted to learn strength training. So I started doing like muscle groups, which I'd never done before in my life. (laughs) And I don't know what I'm doing, but I've been kicking ass with it, to be honest. Like every day that commitment you know, when it was cardio, I probably wouldn't do it every day. But now that I have a mix of strength training and cardio, I feel I want to do stuff every day. And for me, I think that's what I need. It's too easy to get lazy for me. It's too easy, easy to eat badly for me. So I constantly have to be stimulating and motivating myself. I know that uh, learning has been like a huge part of my journey, right? When I came into this, like I did know some like strength and conditioning type stuff because I've always like played sports. But as far as nutrition, I was like knew nothing. And so learning about the strength and nutrition or the strength and conditioning and the nutrition has been a massive part. And I've done that by uh, podcasts mainly and also YouTube, which is another reason why I've you know, diving into starting this, what resources have been like the most helpful for you over this time? Um, definitely podcasts, the surgery one that I loved and I listened to it and it's like 90 plus hours long was the weight loss surgery podcast. And that's by Rieger Cortel. And she's, um, she's a bariatric nurse. She's a nurse practitioner at a clinic in Oregon. And she had so much good information. And because she's in the industry and she's a nurse, she knew what she was talking about. So podcast was huge for me. Um, I liked to cook and I thought it would be the end of all that for me when I had surgery and had to change how I ate. So that was a big part of me. So Pinterest for me became another resource because I want to take the food that I like and make it keto-ish or make it low carb. There's a ton of recipes on there. 
and I even started my own Instagram channel where I did cooking demo recipes. So that is attached to my account too, back when I was learning and trying to adapt. And it was one of those ways I kind of got under my shell too, by forcing myself to uh, do these little cooking shows, but they were fun too. But those two have been good. And of course, like resources like Instagram has been huge in my Facebook groups, but outside of those, yeah, and podcasts and and food is a huge thing and it was a big part of my life. So Pinterest recipes. Well, the food on your Instagram makes me hungry every time I look at it. So <laughs> I want things to taste good. I, I mean, I, I'm a food packaging designer. I went to a bit of cooking school so I could be better at my job and understand food. And I've always liked food. So I couldn't, and that was one of my biggest hangups about surgery because I thought that would be gone, but you have to adapt and you have to change. And I reinvented the things I love so I can still have them because that's the key. Like you, if you give up everything, you're not going to stick with it. It's all about maintaining. Um, it's all about what you can do long-term. So I knew I had to do those things. Yeah. It's awesome that you're still able to keep your passion while also making it fit your new lifestyle, like passion yeah. of cooking. That's, that's amazing. Like that's kind of, well, that's what you need to be successful. Absolutely. Uh, and for me, I'm just like fortunate that I was able to like turn working out and in like this kind of stuff into my lifestyle because this is like what I'm passionate about now um, that I never even thought of before, you know, I made this change. Awesome. So kind of wrapping up a little bit, if, if, is there one piece of advice that you could share with anyone listening that they could implement like today, a simple piece of advice that will help them long term? I'm going to be a little bit repetitive because I've already touched on this, but my favorite quote is comparison is the thief of joy. Do not compare yourself to people that you see out there. Forge your own way. Like um, if you do that, you're going to derail yourself because everybody lives a journey different and what works for somebody else, not necessarily work for you. And just be forgiving of yourself. Like, as long as you're making progress, you're making progress. You don't have to have the answers right away. You learn as you go. And I think if our paths were like straight forward and not that windy path, we wouldn't value um, the things we earn and get when we get there. Like, I think if things were too easy, um, it would be too easy for them to slip away again. So by the hard work and learning, you tend to value things more. And I think keep that in mind when you're struggling and don't compare yourself to people because again, people will show you what they want you to see. They will not always show you your struggles. And that's what I try to do differently. So I want to make a little bit of a difference out there and I try. I think you're making a lot of difference. I mean, you've got already a couple thousand people who follow you on Instagram and I guarantee you're making a difference in one of those. One of those so. people. <laughs> so I think that's a great point to end on. And I'm very thankful that uh, you were my first guest. I think it was awesome. And there's some awesome uh, learning points to take away from this. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, that's it. The first episode of the Hungry for Success podcast is in the books. I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. If so, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, uh, leave a review. And as always, stay hungry, my friends, and I'll see you next week.